0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Tampa Bay Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobs one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. (laughs) <laughs> Holy guacamole! <laughs> Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, and looking Gannon, and looking Gannon. Those up the middle. And the side! At the 30! Derek Brooks, 30! Brooks to the 29 20. Derek Brooks all the way! There it is! The dagger's in! Yeah. We're gonna win the Super Bowl! Super Bowl, baby! This is the big, nasty, yeah, big, nasty, Hall of Fame Tempe Buccaneer fan, baby! This is Mike Allstott, Tempe Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast! brother you ain't listening and you're missing out
2: welcome ladies and gentlemen to the bye week here on the cannon fire podcast i'm your host as always ret matthew joined alongside me my good buddy and co-host the philly bucks fan himself mr evan wanish And another guy joining the show this week as we answer your questions is none other than good friend of the show, honorary third member at this point, James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation. We have just been laughing our ass off before we hit record, man. How are are you guys doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Um, Yeah, so I mean... You know, I don't know why James, he's like really excited over there. He's, uh, he's I don't playing. dude.
2: I don't know if you got ants in your pants, but it really threw me <laughs> off because I, I tried to, I hit record and yeah. I'm like, all right, guys, go ahead and mute your mics. I'm gonna hit record real quick. We'll get this puppy rolling. I hit record, music's rolling, and James just puts his headphones down, gets up, and walks away. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell I, I is know he going? Was, I didn't know
1: what was going on. I had no, I threw my arms up in the air. I was like, what in the world is he doing?
2: <laughs>
0: so, I'm just happy that I can eat actual food.
2: Yeah, James Hill, by the way, if you guys haven't been checking out his great content over here on YouTube, just a week removed from the TB12 method. um, How did that treat you? Disgusting. It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) It was fine. Uh,
0: There's some stuff I would recommend. There's some stuff I wouldn't recommend. Overall, it was okay.
1: Okay. what was what was give me your best part and your worst part of it? Best part was probably
0: hydration and then probably the waking up early. Worst part nutrition, just because like I tried to literally follow the book to the letter, which is probably not the best way to do it because you are so freaking limited into what you could
2: eat. Well, I feel like especially if you're coming off of it kind of cold turkey, like, let's face it, you know, your sleep schedule going into that, you're a vampire. So to adjust yourself to have to wake up at 6 a.m. And then everything else just kind of changes on top of that. I'm sure it was a little bit of a struggle. I definitely couldn't do it. That's why I'm not a six time Super Bowl champ.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I guess I guess James is I've right, do, do you, you feel any closer
0: to to be in a Hall of Famer? So my rings are actually in the mail. Okay. Uh, you know, I was I was a part of those six Super Bowl teams now. Apparently, wow. you know, it's been yeah. it's been rewritten. Really delayed. That's the whole
2: commitment. It's like the contract they have you signed going into it. Right.
0: Yeah, it's been rewritten in the history books now, you know, um, so I'm, I'm very happy to be a part of history. You know, I'm going to show off my Super Bowl rings when I get them in. And uh, yeah, overall, OK experience, you know, definitely hey, well, with worth all it.
2: that being said. Welcome to our biggest guest of the year here on the show. Six time Super Bowl champion James <laughs> Hill joins us. Uh, it is the bio week, guys, as I had mentioned before. So this week, uh, well, we wanted to open up the hotline and uh, get some voicemails, but we got a resounding zero phone calls this week. So we... Kind of did it the old-fashioned way. You guys sent some questions in over on our social media. By the way, you can follow us there—Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter—all of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. But we got your questions, and hopefully, we've got some answers for you. But before we get into those, we do have a little bit of news, and this broke a couple hours ago. Uh The Buccaneers wave James's heart. Oh yeah, this was this was some this was some hard stuff for the Super Bowl champion over there, but. The Buccaneers waived uh, wide receiver slash punt returner, Jadon Mickens. He went on waivers today at 4 p.m. And last I heard, nobody's picked him up yet. But does this move surprise either one of you?
1: No. but I mean, l- l- Ladies and gentlemen, you should have seen. Because so me and Rhett knew. Me and Rhett knew that Mickens was waived. But James did not. Oh, and man. if you have any background, Mickens had did, done an interview on James's channel, and they, you know, they they were they were talking or whatever. Like they had a pretty good relationship. They weren't best friends, but like you know, he went on his channel, did a did a show. Um, so <laughs> James did not know that he was waived. So we told him, and he didn't believe us. And you just should have seen his reaction. Oh, oh man. man, I wish we were recording it. Uh, it was it was a it was an all time reaction. But uh, James, what are what are you feeling right now, man?
0: He'll end up back on the practice squad probably it's fine it's cool no worries uh sad well, you basically got confirmation right I, well yeah you know yeah, hey, whatever him up, man cool. you got his number well you know but i so what what i don't know yeah it, it was a little surprising cuz i i thought that the guys who have been back there returning have pretty much given the same if not maybe slightly worse returning results so i i don't know but it is what it is
2: yeah well I hate to ask this, and we're not going to spend too much time on it, but a lot of people last remember Jadon Mickens. Well, he was placed on the COVID reserve list one week, even though he had come out and said he was fully healthy. And the way that he had said it, he was pretty outspoken. Do you think that played a factor at all in the decision? Because you cannot sit here and tell me with a straight face that Kenyon Barner is a better option returning kicks than Jadon Mickens was.
1: Kenyon Barner is a better option returning kicks than J.L. Mickens was. <laughs> so. Very much
0: disagree, sir. Very much disagree. They're both smart returners. I'll give them that.
2: Uh, Kenyon Barner wasn't uh, very smart at the end of the Rams game when he should have, you know, just kind of called the fair catch there. But that's no. neither here nor there.
1: Kenyon right, Barner but- has, a, has a kickoff return and a punt return in his career. Jay Mickens is not. A kickoff and a punt yeah, but not at the same time, but like in his is, career, he has, like he, has kickoff, he has both of them, kickoff, a kickoff. return for a touchdown, and a punt for a Oh, you didn't you didn't say for a touchdown. You didn't say the touchdown and a
0: punt return.
1: Oh, wow. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I, I I thought that was pretty self-explanatory, but you got to remember, I'm stupid. I, I, I got a but... spoon feed today, I guess. <laughs> you got to remember who you're talking to here. But
0: I don't know. I probably not. I probably didn't play a factor into it. I mean. Because it's not like he went like, crazy. Like I don't know. It's not like he went crazy overboard. I mean, we've seen. Oh. I'm sure other players be critical of the protocols and things like that, one way or another. I don't <laughs> and think. I know that's that
2: there's like, some, there some other guys on this. There's some other guys on this roster who could return kicks who have a uh, history of going crazy slash overboard on social media. I'm well, sure how we're are well we, aware.
1: How, how are we not sure that Jane Mickens isn't crazy? i'm
2: just gonna leave it that,
0: there, I'm leave it into it into there. Just stuff we don't now come on now this is slander
2: all right well ladies and gentlemen thus concludes the Jadon micken saga before we get james storming out of here like he tried to do before we hit record
1: maybe that was why he left
2: yeah i know he was just so torn up about it so let's get into these questions we got a lot of great ones we're gonna go in depth here and this first one i think is probably the best one to kick things off with just because it's still being talked about. It's a bye week and it's a long bye week granted that we're coming off of two losses in a row. There's a lot of questions, a lot more questions than answers at this point, but I think this one will kind of help everybody just kind of, you know, big deep breath here. This comes from Hey, it's me underscore John Mark on Instagram. He says, how much of the tension between BA and Brady is real and how much of it is just the media stirring it up? I will say this, when I look at this, dude, it's got to be like a 70-30 media with the majority there. Um, The media is definitely bored, and we've talked about this on the show before when the news really started to first break a couple of weeks ago that there was this unspoken tension. You know, I think when you're losing football games, there's going to be tension between any quarterback and your head coach, but... I feel like we've said it countless times at this point, but we kind of knew coming into the season that this entire year, especially in the offensive side of the ball, was going to be an uphill battle. And, like, the process that we see right now that I guess is being called tension is literally just them trying to figure it out. I mean, am I wrong? Do you do you disagree?
1: No, I I, I think it might be maybe 60-40, um, like, media. But <clears throat> I think that – it's just like you said, it's just, it's them trying to trying to see what works. So I'm I'm not really gonna get too concerned about it until you know. I mean, if you start, let's say Bruce Arians returns. And let's say Tom Brady returns next year, which are both very likely to happen. Um, if you start hearing about it next year, then I think it becomes a concern. Uh, but yeah, right now, I think it's just them just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't. So you should, I mean, that, that's what I think is concerning, that it's this late in the season, so you basically should know what works and what doesn't. Um, but right now, they just haven't seemed to to found that right mix yet. So hopefully they do.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um I'm not going to give a percentage or anything, but, um, you know, yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel like it's, it's more media driven than anything. Um, at the end of the day, you know, they all want to win, you know, and, and, and I will say this is kind of some similar stuff that we used to hear whenever Tom Brady was in New England, oh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of the national, it's just, it's just kind of the national media or whoever, you know, some local, some national just trying to stir the pot, um. They did it with the Patriots whenever they would lose a couple of games in a row. They'd say, Oh, what's going on? Is this it? What What's going on here? And we see a similar thing now. Um, it's just to get headlines. If you put Tom Brady's name in any headline, you're going to get clicks, you know, and things like that. So that does definitely play a factor into it. Uh, Tom Brady says his relationship is fine. Bruce Arian says his relationship is fine. I know it's not always taken at face value and things like that, but, you know, I see no reason to believe that they would have super intense problems with each other after only really getting to know each other for about what eight months now yeah something along those lines so Tom and they they haven't me.
1: really spent as much time together as they normally would because of the restrictions
0: Right. You know, and, and Tom came here because he wanted to work in the system. He wanted to work with Bruce Arians. He wanted to work with all, all these guys like Tom knew what he was getting himself into. He's not an idiot. Bruce Arians is not an idiot. Like at the end of the day, these guys are all very driven to win some football games. And that's something that can bring them together. So they're going to work on that and they're going to try their best to collaborate and figure something out. So yeah. I, I think it is pretty overblown.
2: No, oh, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's just all of the elements coming together. Um, that we had talked about way before the season started like first off it comes with the territory of having Tom Brady like you said James anytime you put Tom Brady's name in a news story it's gonna get clicks it's gonna get views but I think Tom Brady by himself all of the you know factors of him being with a new team new system new playbook new coach new teammates new atmosphere new culture all of this stuff on top of him already being tom brady and on top of that him being 43 years old and the fact that we'll probably never ever ever see another 43 year old play at his level in the history of the nfl ever again like i really just don't think we'll ever see it happen maybe you know when one day these guys are biomechanically engineered it'll happen a little bit more frequently but you know the uh, what's the word I'm thinking of the attraction of it, the pure spectacle of it all is exactly why it feels like Tampa Bay is just under a microscope right now. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, like, I really wish we could just go back to mediocre coverage, you know, get mentioned on Good Morning Football once every two hours and that's it. Um, but no, the Bucks are pretty much the top story anywhere you look, whether they're doing good or bad. So. When you don't live up to the expectations set by the media at the beginning of the year, I think it's going to make it feel a little bit easier, you know, to feel like the world is falling around you. But Bucks are seven and five coming off of a bye week. I have a feeling that the relationship between Brady and BA isn't so torn up that they can't come up with a game plan this week and hopefully bring it to Minnesota this Sunday. But thanks for the question, John Mark. We really do appreciate you. Let's go ahead and move on to the next one. It also has to do with the quarterback position. This comes from Ozzy 4335 Do we draft a quarterback next year? Evan, If you want to take this one?
1: Yeah, so this is a, a little bit of a tough one to give a direct answer for just because there's so many things that can happen uh, between now and the draft. Uh, if, if I had to say, like, the first two rounds, I don't think that's likely – But I think as you get later on in the draft, round three, four, five, six, maybe they draft one. Um, So, I mean, if you're talking about one in, like, the first two rounds, I don't think that's likely. So, like, you're not going to see, like, a Kyle Trask or a Mac Jones or a trade-up for Zach Wilson or Trey Lance or anything like that. I don't think you'll see anything like that. Uh, But maybe in, like, the fourth round, if somebody's there and they didn't really expect them to be there, maybe they take a flyer on them. Uh, But, yeah, the first, like, even like three rounds, I'll say is is not very likely. I think that the bucks are, are going to try to really address their needs with those first three picks. I, uh,
0: I'm going to say at most a sixth or a seventh round draft pick is invested in the quarterback position. So here's why Um, Tom Brady's obviously under contract for next season. Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin both have expiring contracts after this year, probably bring back one of them to probably be the backup quarterback. But you also got to remember Josh Rosen's on that practice squad. Uh, Once he gets elevated to the active roster at the end of the season, whenever that may happen, if he doesn't get signed to another team's roster, I mean, that's kind of like having a, drafted quarterback right there he's played very minimal amounts in two seasons he's only what 23 years old right now maybe 24 whenever the season's done that's just kind of like having a late drafted quarterback who's just a little bit older anyway yeah and there's there's your developmental guy uh, who you can maybe start after Tom Brady leaves. So I don't know if that's the full plan. But in my opinion, I mean, you've already got Tom. They like Blaine Gabbert at the back of position. And then you have Josh Rosen, who is that young developmental guy. There's not necessarily a want or a, a need there for a developmental guy unless they just feel Rosen isn't it. And if that's the case, maybe six, seventh round guy. If they do feel Rosen's the guy, then I would say not at all.
2: And I'm glad you brought Rosen up because I wanted to bring him up as well since you had mentioned it. Um, you know, I don't think they really try and splurge for a quarterback this season, Brady being under contract. And then of course you have Rosen, but the question for me then becomes you have Josh Rosen sitting on the practice squad. He'll probably dress every Sunday next year if he's still here. And you know, Ryan Griffin is no longer on this team or Blaine Gabbard or whichever route they choose to go there. But from the point of view of Josh Rosen, do you think he's going to want to play the long game with this? Because that's what it comes down to. Like, I think if he shows interest and he tells the Bucks that he's interested in kind of being their guy and, you know, they pitch that to him. Sure, I think they serve it up to him on a silver platter. But if he doesn't, and there isn't any conversation like that, and another team signs him, you know, what, where do they go from there? I guess that obviously puts a lot more emphasis on getting a quarterback that next draft. But like w- with Josh Rosen, You know what I mean? It's safe to write him off and say, yeah, he's our future guy, but we know how the NFL works. I don't think Josh Rosen cares. I think he wants to start. If a team comes to him before the end of this year or the start of next season and says, hey, we want to sign you to a starter contract, he doesn't give a damn about being the heir to Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. He's going to go play where he's needed. So do you think it's a viable option at this point, or is it still kind of too far away to write off that, you know, Rosen is the guy of the future if they can't get a good quarterback in the draft? You know, I,
0: you ahead, I, I don't think Rosen has a choice, <laughs> you
2: yeah. know, I, I yeah. don't think I don't
0: think any I don't think anybody would offer Rosen a starting job at this point. You know, uh, spe- there's so much quarterback talent around the league right now. Right. That we're seeing a lot of, you know, really good quarterbacks just r- you know result to be backups, you know, like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. That guy could be a starting quarterback. Justin Herbert's just amazing.
1: You know, and, and also there's there's always long. but yeah, no, yeah, I yeah. Care. The the team <laughs> doctor made sure he wasn't starting.
0: <laughs> right, but there. But the point is that there's just so much like good quarterback talent yeah, and, around and the league right now. And it's got Trevor
1: the, Lawrence, Justin Fields, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones, uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Trask. It's a QB heavy class coming up, so yeah. that's even more talent.
0: Right. And, you know, Sam Darnold is going to be probably a backup somewhere now. He's not going to be a starter. He's a former number three overall pick. Gardner Minshew for the Jaguars is probably going to have to be a backup somewhere now. Dwayne He's Haskins. a high tier backup who's done. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins. There's there's literally so much talent that a lot of high tier guys are just getting pushed down the depth chart out of just sheer, you know, unfortunate circumstances, you know. Yeah. So I, I think I would say that if I was Rosen, I would look at the situation and go. Tampa's probably my best bet right now because after Brady's gone, they don't have anybody. And if they're going to win with Brady so they can't draft a high-tier guy to replace him, that's where I come in. Would be my thought
1: process.
2: And, and you that's, say that's where you come in as James Hill, the guy that just did a week on the TV 12 diet.
1: And he won six Super Bowls. Yeah, so. won six what, Super
2: Bowls. That's where you come in, Buckaroo.
0: Wh- what I'm saying is that it's going to be me versus Josh Rosen for that starting quarterback <laughs> battle after the 2021 season. So 2022, me versus Josh Rosen. Just kind
2: of look out for it, I guess, you know? Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the future of the franchise. I'm glad he could be here on the show today answering your questions. But. I'm really glad that we talked about Josh Rosen. Honestly, anytime we talk about Josh Rosen, I get a little bit excited. Just because, you know, the thing coming into this year is like, oh, well, the Bucks are selling out, so it's not like... Hey, Rhett. In... Yeah.
1: What if Josh Rosen's good? Oh,
2: dude, I'll be so happy. It's crazy what, what because I wasn't was? even that big of a Josh Rosen fan, but I will agree I that he got kind of a short end of the stick. Um, but, I mean, I just get excited because we don't spend a lot of time talking about the future of this team. And it feels like for the first three years of this podcast, we were like looking towards the future because you didn't know what it would hold when you finish a year seven and nine or five and 11 or whatever it may be. Um, so I don't know. It just gets me a little giddy. So anytime we get to talk about Josh Rosen, I really enjoy it.
0: I will, I will say one great bonding moment for me and Evan is that we both love Josh Rosen and think that
1: he can be good. there we go
2: well we'll see what happens we we
1: don't we don't all hate everything about each other on this show guys (laughs) there are some bonding
0: moments you just have to look in you know in between the lines there you go
2: let's move on to the next question here this comes from lucas butler 21 and it has to do with that coaching staff will there be a change on the coaching staff this offseason so not necessarily a head coaching change but maybe a coordinator loses a job uh, maybe you see somebody promoted with from within, but James wanted to kind of have you lead this one off. Do you think there's going to be any changes along that <coughs> big coaching staff this off season?
0: I would say the only way there is, is if one of the bucks assistants or coordinators gets a head coaching job or, you know, they get some lucrative, lucrative offer to go somewhere else. Um, If Todd Bowles gets a head coaching job or something along those lines, or Byron Leftwich gets a head coaching job, something along those lines, then you may see some movement. Uh, Aside from that, there's nothing I could really think of, you know. I mean, if Byron Leftwich went somewhere or he he took a, a better, you know, he took a job that he feels is better, you know, or something along those lines, you know, whatever it may be. You may see some shifting. Maybe Harold Goodwin gets put in offensive coordinator. He was Bruce Arians offensive coordinator for five seasons in Arizona. Maybe they bring in Freddie Kitchens to be an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I don't know. Maybe Casey Rogers. Maybe they want to give Larry Foote a shot. Um, also, another thing that they just did recently, maybe they make AQ Shipley a full time coach for this team for another year. Something like that. I know he's joining the coaching... Or he might have already joined it or he is joining or something along those lines. But point is that if there isn't... You know, if, if one of these guys doesn't get a head coaching job, I would probably say no.
1: Uh, so I'm going to... So James took the promotion route. I'm going to go the route of what's the probability of one of them being fired? So yeah. just straight out just fired. Like we're moving on. Um, so I think... <clears throat> The only way that there would possibly be a head coaching change is like a firing. Is if the Bucks like collapse here and like miss the playoffs completely? But
2: finish. Let's seven say, and
1: nine. yeah, like like that. They lose these four games. Like that is unacceptable. Um, and I think the Glazers would see it that way too. But um, so, let's say they they make the playoffs and let's say they lose in the first round, right? The only one I could really see, I think Todd Bowles' job would be pretty much safe. Uh, I could see them maybe uh, firing Byron Leftwich. That's the only one, maybe, and I still don't think it's likely. So if I had to guess, I would say this coaching staff is going to be here next year pretty much intact. But the one that I think has the least amount of security is probably Leftwich, uh, just because especially if the offense seemed to really sputter, uh, Leftwich might be the guy that just it just falls on the sword. Um, so uh, a name. Just like uh, James said, Harold Goodwin. Maybe if they wanted to promote within to offensive coordinator, he's already the the assistant head coach. So I think you know uh, you could just put him to offensive coordinator, let him call the plays if you wanted. Uh, if Todd Bowles were to leave for a head coaching job or get fired, a name that I would throw out there is not in the Bucks organization right now. What's going to happen in Chicago because? The Chicago Bears defensive coordinator right now is Chuck Pagano, who is a great friend of Bruce Arians. So yeah, you
2: remember, um, uh, you remember that year in Indianapolis.
1: Yeah, of course. That was that was the year that it, everything changed for Bruce Arians. That's right after that year, he got you know the Cardinal job and. Every, it was all from there. So I think if, if Chicago decides to move on from Nagy, they're likely moving on from their entire coaching staff. And if Bulls leaves for a head coaching job, I think Pagano makes a ton of sense for a defense coordinator. He runs a similar system to Bulls, and Arians and Pagano obviously go way back.
2: Now, uh, another situation I wanted to ask, you know, let's look at the possibility that there is a firing. Maybe Byron Leftwich gets fired. Personally, I don't think that Todd Bowles is going to get a lot of head coaching offers. So I think his job is a little bit more secure. But if Byron left, which is the odd man out there on that staff, we've never gotten a clear answer, nor do I think we'll ever get a clear answer on how much push Tom Brady has on this team. But do you think there would be a push from Tom to get a familiar face in there? Maybe like a Josh McDaniels at a coordinator position?
1: Whoa, whoa. McDaniels ain't coming to be an offensive
2: coordinator. No, so. he's he's looking for but, a head coach job.
1: Yeah, that that would that wouldn't happen. Um, especially if he knows that he can just wait out Bill to be a head coach. If he really wanted to in New England, he wouldn't right. be for another coordinator job. So, um, I mean, maybe they take a guy from the Patriots organization. I'm not saying it doesn't. It's just not going to be McDaniel's. That's all. I mean, it, So, Leftwich being fired wouldn't really. I wouldn't really signal to me that Brady has some say. What would signal to me that Brady has some say is who they hire. Because yeah. if it's somebody that like you, you can tell, like, oh, like that's a guy like Tom Brady likes. Yeah, <laughs> um, then you're like, okay, sure. But I mean, there's always the possibility. I, I've spoken with a couple people, uh, not really sources, but just that that think that you know maybe if those Arians retire, and if Arians does retire, does Josh McDaniels end up becoming the head coach? Maybe I don't think it's likely, but I don't. I would say it probably has. Like maybe a five, five, six percent chance of happening. Like it's not very likely at all. But I think that theory uh,
2: all just depends on how the Bucks play these last four games. Because if they go two and two, you know, and you finish nine and seven, even if you barely make the playoffs, it, like I, I, I don't yeah. know. I, I just feel like you know that would yeah, definitely well, set it up a little bit more for Bruce to kind of walk out on his own terms.
1: Yeah, and I, I think if they do, I'm not sure. I know that Brady definitely wouldn't want like Leftwich or Bowles to just be promoted. I think he would want to say and and his guy he would choose McDaniels probably. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's way that's a few weeks down the line. You know, like I said, I don't think it's likely anyway. So it's it's definitely an interesting conversation you can have though. Absolutely. Well, Let's move
2: on to well, sorry, James, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead.
0: Real real quick, one more guy I want to say. Like they could maybe add as like some offensive consultant, kind of like in a Tom Moore roles, like maybe Jim Caldwell. Uh because I know he yeah. has a lot of ties to Arians with like the Colts and everything like that. And Arians just likes having a lot of his old buddies around him to help out. And Caldwell yeah. used to do a lot of stuff with that Colts offense with Peyton Manning, so
2: they might bring him in just to try and help out Tom as well. Who knows? Absolutely. There's a lot of names up in the air, but you know, like we said, the common theme here, it's all about how the Buccaneers finish this season. If we make the playoffs, then, i you know, I don't think Bruce retires. I think the most likely situation at this point is that we're going to see Bruce Arians and both Tom Brady in Tampa Bay next season. I think the coaching staff is really going to look the same. I don't think we'll see a big lineup change there. Yeah, um,
1: I'll, I'll basically I'll say there's a 99 percent chance that Tom Brady is going to be back. And there's a ninety-five percent chance that Bruce Arians gonna be back. That's basically what I'll say.
2: We'll leave it at that. But let's go ahead and move on to our next question. Uh, this comes from that kid underscore Drew, and we're kind of previewing the Minnesota game. We'll go a little more in depth on this Thursday's show for the game preview. But as for now, we've got this question: Evan, do we see more pre-snap motion against Minnesota? Something that people have been talking about with this offense is, uh, I guess, a little bit of a lack of pre-snap motion, um, depending on, you know, what you define pre-snap motion as if you're looking at ESPN (laughs) terms, then yeah, there's definitely been a lack, but the question is simple. Do we see more of it against Minnesota this Sunday?
1: Well, I mean, if you're just looking at the season, the thing would be, no, uh, it's truly, you don't know because I do think that they realize that this bye week came at the right time and that they need to change some things up. But I don't know how you know big of a change that's gonna be. So you might see a little bit more of it, but I don't think you're gonna be seeing the Bucks. You know, in the next four games, they're not gonna be top, a top ten team in in pre snap motion. That's that's just not gonna happen. Um, so, um, I mean, Bruce Arians said he doesn't really like it, uh, but I mean, Tom has basically put it in. So uh, I think maybe Tom. Uh, you know, encourages Bruce to use it a little bit more. Maybe you see it a little bit more, but it's—I I think it's tough to give a give a straight answer, just because you don't know. I don't think the offense is going to be completely different. Like this is—it's going it's to still going to be the same offense. It's just yeah. going to. It's just going to have to be just, just mixing it up between just not taking all them down. So shots and, and playing Tom Brady's game. That's what it's going to have to be. It's still they, they're not throwing out entire offensive scheme in a week. You know, like this is if you're expecting to see a completely different thing with all these crazy things that don't like you're going to be disappointed. Um, so I, I think you might see a little bit more, but it's not going to be like a huge change.
2: And I wanted to toss this question out to both of you while we kind of talk about this offensive play calling. James, if you want to take this one first, but there was a quote that came out from BA and he said, plain and simple. Well, Tom calls all the plays now. He picks the plays. We call them. We go out there and we try to execute. What does that mean to you? Because I'll be honest, like I saw that quote and like. Yeah, it means that Tom is calling the plays. But, like, how long has it been like that? Is this a new development? Like, have they learned from past mistakes and they're letting Tom run the offense he's comfortable with? Like, what the hell does this vague quote mean to you? Because ESPN definitely thinks they have found the answer 100%. And I just, I don't really buy it. Because, you know, we look at Bruce Arian's track record. You tend to not believe a lot of the stuff that comes out of his mouth. And this is one of those things where, like, I just don't feel like I got anything from it. But James, what do you make of that?
0: Yeah, that one's that's kind of confusing. Uh, I don't I don't know how truthful that is. I'm not going to call Bruce Darius a liar or anything, but uh, I will. That one is <laughs> that that one is kind of like I don't I don't think he would intentionally lie and for, for something like that.
2: No, it's, you know it's, what I mean? It's I mean, talk you... it's
0: cover your ass kind of talk. Right. But I mean, like, I mean, that would be a little extreme to just kind of shift literally all that. Because that means that, you know, any any time somebody says a bad play, that's Bruce Arian saying, well, it was Tom's play. What do you want? <laughs> you know, like I don't, that's too much. That's the narrative you know, that's, they love right way, now
2: is that anytime that, Arians can that, Brady, that's what he does. You know, that's
0: that is way too much. So I don't know. I mean. That, yeah that one's just kind of more confusing to me if anything um because I, I have seen you know still people criticize the play calling and they criticize bruce arians in my opinion they should be criticizing byron left since he is the offensive play caller for this team uh th- that, that's a weird one you know and then i, I kind of coupled that quote with the other quote that he gave where he said you know tom's just kind of confused with certain coverages and stuff like that and it's it's all kind of weird i really don't know what to think about it right now
1: so yeah uh Tom can call the plays all he wants. Whose playbook is it? It's not Tom Brady's. He's he's picking the plays, but he's picking Bruce Arians' plays. He's picking the Bruce Arians' plays that he likes the most. So even if he actually is calling the plays, it's still the same plays. Like, it's it's still, like, the same downfield shots and stuff. It's just he's picking which ones he likes and which ones he doesn't. So, oh, do you like the four verticals route, or do you like the, the post route? Which one? Oh, I like the post more. Okay. It's still a downfield shot. Yeah. Like... You know, I I think that's what it means. And I mean, it is kind of confusing, like, I don't know. It is kind of weird. It's tough to give a straight answer to that because it's it is weird. It's I don't know. And maybe that's where people are getting the oh the tension things from. I I don't know. But um, I, I believe that he, you know, he has an influence in the offense. I just think he has to have more of one. That's all.
2: I think this bye week will give you a chance to let Tom have a little bit more of a say so in that offensive game plan um you know that extra week means the world just because you have a little bit more time to peel everything back find out what's working find out what's not you got an extra week to watch all the film do all the research you need and you have to believe that you know brady's going to be the guy talking in arian's ear because some of my favorite clips to come out of tom brady's career is like all of the you know shots of him in the office with belichick and he's basically breaking down film and telling like there was one clip in particular where he was talking to belichick about brian dawkins and he's like look Here's how you can beat him every play. You know, the game has evolved. I'm sure Brady doesn't break it down quite as simply because he just doesn't have that chemistry with Arians like he did with Belichick after 18, 19, 20 seasons. But I have to believe this bye week will give him a little bit more of a say-so. So So we'll have to see what the game plan they come out with on offense is. But I guarantee you this Sunday against Minnesota, first and 10, we're going to see a handoff to Ronald Jones. What do you guys think? You want to make a little informal bet right here? First play of the game on offense is going to be a handoff to Ronald Jones. It's like an I 85% I chance.
1: See, I, I don't know what fans want because <laughs> they 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 want to give the ball to Ronald Jones more, but you don't want to run it on first down. Okay, so when you want to run it, like, yeah. you want to run it on every third down? You just want to be predictable and say, oh, we're going to pass on first down, run on second down, then pass on third down. Like, you can have it one way or the other, like, either jones gets more carries you know which would mean more runs on first down like you you can't have it both ways like i don't i I don't know i've definitely my head kind of hurts now from a
0: week to week basis because every play it seems like i i see that was so predictable and it's like well what (laughs) what does that mean you pass on first down so predictable another first down a run on first down god that was so predictable and it's like what what do you do then i don't i don't get it you know and you criticize a pass you criticize a run it, it's very confusing uh I, i'm still a stickler for giving ronald jones the ball more what they um, need to I, do I, is use more play action that's that's what they that's, need to do more right and and that that's kind of an interesting thing that i don't maybe they have asked it maybe they haven't asked it but i i want to hear somebody ask Bruce Arians about how if they want to run more play action now for the remainder of the season. Um, and then hear Bruce Arians answer to that. Uh, because if he says something along, along the lines of like, oh yeah, maybe we are going to be incorporating that more then that's something I'd be interested to see, you know, like motion and stuff like that before the snap, you know, like you said, Evan, Bruce doesn't like that that much, but play action. I mean, that's something that they could incorporate more with just a week to get ready because they already have play action in their playbook. So yeah. that that's something that that might be the change, you know, we'll just have to wait and see.
2: Absolutely. Let's go ahead and move on to this next question. We'll shift gears here a little bit. This comes from Bliss underscore Full Five One Nine. Who right now has the best chance at an NFL Honors Award on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster? Evan, who is your pick?
1: Oh, probably probably like Levante David for Defensive Player of the Year or Antoine Winfield for Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I like that. I but think, I don't. Th- I don't think either is going to happen.
2: But I, there is a guy that you had brought up, and and you know I think there's a lot of worthy guys. I think Levante is a good name. Um, the guy, the guy for me, and I know that you said this exact statement here, but it, it doesn't work this way. He's not going to win it because of the oh, position he is, plays. Yeah. But rookie right tackle Tristan Wirfs has been the best rookie in the NFL this year, and I don't think there's any argument there like I, I really don't call us biased but like I think if anybody deserves rookie of the year it's got to be big number 78
1: yeah he should be the offensive rookie of the year if, you, if you're just looking at tape and like everything even if you like if you like PFF if you don't like PFF you can look at their grades he's one of the highest ones he shows up well on tape um, yeah he should be the offensive rookie of the year unfortunately for any offensive lineman that plays well like you said just if you're not if you're not a, a quarterback, running back, or wide receiver, you ain't getting it. And wide receivers even rarely get it. So if you're not a quarterback or running back, you're not getting it. Yeah. Who do you think, James? Yeah, I mean, I would have to go with Antone
0: Smith Jr. for defense rookie of the year. If, if anything, I mean. Chase Young, I mean, he's still making a ton of plays, but he's kind of cooled off. You're know, not seen as much talk around him yeah. in terms of him cooling off and stuff like that. Antoine Winfield Jr., by the way, has cooled off a lot in his own right. Mm-hmm. He gets maybe a couple more interceptions, gets a couple more takeaways. I think he may have it locked up considering also the Bucks are a winning team. Uh, and the, the I, I think just Jeremy are-
1: Chin right now probably has it locked up. So Which Okay, there's, there's, Chin there's as there's well. Two, there's two touchdowns in 11 seconds or whatever. I think yeah,
0: that's... That's, that's true. That's true. Um, so I, I would say probably Antoine Winfield Jr. may be the closest. I don't know if he, you know, again, he's probably not going to win that Levante David. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he may be close, but he's cooled off a lot as well. The past yeah. month, uh, even Tom Brady, you know, he's cooled off a lot from the MVP uh, conversation. Was, yeah, Rogers, after,
1: after that, that Vegas game, there was some real yeah. talk of him being an MVP candidate and that one, Went away, so
0: yeah. The past month, I mean, now Rogers, Aaron Rodgers has been playing absolutely insane.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, and, so and a guy I, like I think, and a guy like Russell Wilson, who who, who is everybody thought was an MVP lock, has now cooled off. So yeah, right. I, so I, no,
0: nobody's really that close, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I think when you look at Defensive Player of the Year, you know the number one guy that everybody goes to is going to be Aaron Donald. I think he's got it locked up again. He's just such a force. And, um, you know, I really think
1: TJ Watt might have a case. Yeah, TJ
2: Watt's actually right there neck and neck with him. He- he's having a really good year, too, with that Pittsburgh defense. But when it comes to the Bucks, I really think your rookies are the only guys with a shot of bringing something home. I think everybody else will be just overlooked a little bit just because of that cool period they've had. And, you know, the way that the season shakes out, I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Let's move on to the next question. This comes from Kevin Gerjanand on Instagram. He says, what move do you think should or should not have been made this offseason? So this was an offseason to remember for the Buccaneers, without a doubt. A lot of big moves, a lot of surprising moves. Uh, I'm just going to say this right here, right now. I think the Buccaneers maybe, probably shouldn't have signed LaShawn McCoy, knowing that we're not going to use him. But hindsight's always 2020. Uh, something else though, that really concerned us, both Evan and I coming into this year was just the lack of rotational pass rush. And, uh, I think at this point in the season, that's really starting to bite this team in the ass. So an extra pass rusher would have really helped. I think that's something they should have focused on a little better.
1: Yep. I'm going to do two moves here and that might be cheating, but, um,
2: more content, go for one,
1: it. one, uh, re-signing the Dominican Sioux to a one year, $8 million deal. It's just he's been fine. Like he had, he has had a better year this year than he, he did last year. He's played above but, my
2: expectations for sure.
1: Yeah, but for $8 million, I don't know. Has he been an $8 million player to you?
2: He's had some game changing plays. I, you know, I think of the forced fumble against LA. But has he,
1: has, 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 Wait, wait yes. what, what forced fumble against LA?
2: The one back at the yeah. very end. I guess they messed he's up talking. the handoff, but it was, it was what turned the tide ah, to come back against was, the Chargers. In the, in,
1: yeah, uh, right before halftime. Yeah, gave uh, the
2: Bucks okay. the ball back. Uh, really started that comeback uh, early. That was yeah. a big indomitable Well, that was play. he
1: started off the year really good. He yeah, did. Like yeah, the yeah. First, the first the first four or five games, and then he just cooled off. And then versus Kansas City was a decent game, but then like probably like the first like week one through five, he was good. Week six through 10, week six through 11, basically, he was irrelevant. And then week 12, he didn't play bats. But I will I answer your just... question
2: with yes, I think he's been an $8 million player because with Vita Vey out, he is their only hope at any sort of pressure in the middle uh, right now.
1: So um, I just think that they could have used that better on either splitting that money between two pass rushers. Um, or getting a, a younger player there on a deep interior defensive line. And the other one I'm going to say is drafting Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round when that should have been uh, either a pass rusher or uh, like a backup offensive lineman or something.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Uh, that would be my one for the shouldn't have, you know, the Keyshawn Vaughn when it does feel like kind of a wasted pick. I'm going to say they probably shouldn't have made that type of move. I like Keyshawn Vaughn, by the way. I think he can still be a good running back for this team, but. Probably shouldn't have brought him in if you're not going to use him. And in terms of the the moves that they should have made, I have two. Uh, one is they should have re-signed Carl Nassib. I know he did get a lot of money from the Raiders, but you could
1: have gave he, him the the money you gave Sue. Yeah,
0: that's not right. Sue and... Right, and and you and it's proving now that without Nassib, I mean, this the rotation at pass rusher has just been non-existent, literally non-existent. You know, uh, so that's that was I think that was a huge blow to the pass rush. Um, And then the second one is they should have brought in more of a veteran presence in that cornerback room. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel that one was necessary. There is still I mean, there's still plenty of veteran cornerbacks out there that you could that you can still bring in. But I mean, in the offseason yet, you could have had a chance to bring in a guy who probably wouldn't even have cost that much money who could play, you know, even if he's your fourth cornerback. Yeah. You know, you bring him in and then he can play inside or outside, whatever you need to do. Have a versatile guy like that who's been in the league, say, I don't know, six, seven years, something like that. That would be very nice. Just to have a guy where, okay, SMB struggling this game or Jamel Dean struggling this game, okay, let's put our veteran out there because mm-hmm. he's been here before. You yeah. know, that those are two moves that I were to say like that would have helped out your defense a lot is re-signing Carl Nassib and then bringing in a wow. actual Veteran
1: cornerback who could help out. I'll I'll give. I'll actually give two more. Actually, just a quick one. Just a pass catching running back. um, Whoever it is, I don't. I don't have a name. Just a a, a running back that can catch the ball consistently. Doesn't be great. Just consistently. Should have should have added one. Um, And. I'll give Gronkowski some credit here because if you would have asked me this in October, I would have said that they shouldn't have traded for Gronkowski. And now I'm saying that it's smart that they traded for Gronkowski because with the injury to OJ Howard, a Gronkowski has looked much better as the season's going on weeks one through five. He was kind of like an O show. Um, and then, you know, with that Packers game week six, when you guys first touched down, he really started to get on a roll. So now he's proving his worth. I still don't think he's worth $9 million that they're paying him, but, um, uh, you know, I, I think if he's back next year, it won't be at that number. It'll be at a lower number, but uh, yeah, I, he's definitely changed my mind. So that that's one more. That's one more should have, and one more that I'm actually glad that they did. So.
2: And and speaking of just Gronk's, you know, productivity these last few games, he's exploded, man. Like I think he's top five in tight end yards right now. He had that yeah, 100 he's, he's yard a, game.
1: he's de- having a solid season.
2: After, especially after you know the first five weeks, you had mentioned he wasn't really showing up. He has come to be. More than a reliable target for Brady. Those guys just, you know, rekindling an old flame right there. But definitely glad that Gronk is here, and I'm glad that he has stepped up in the absence of O.J. Howard. He has absolutely been a relief at the tight end position. Let's go ahead and move on to our final question of the show. This comes from BLP underscore 05. And we're looking ahead to the playoffs here. Don't want to, you know, write ourselves off too early because anything can happen. But I... I hate to say that we feel confident about the Bucs making the playoffs because they haven't done it in a decade and a half, but I think it's safe to say that everybody here has a pretty good feeling the Buccaneers will be playing football in January, so this question has to do with that. From BLP, with the Giants looking stronger every single week, just beat Seattle, and the problems they caused us the last time we played, who do you guys think would be the most favorable team to face in the first round of the playoffs, and then who do you hope to avoid at all costs? Well, I'll tell you, The team that I hope to avoid is fucking New Orleans, dude. And I got to put the F-bomb there. It it has has to be New Orleans. Like, they just know us. Like, it just really doesn't feel like there is any possible way that the Buccaneers match up with New Orleans in the playoffs and it is a competitive game. I don't know what it is. In New
1: Orleans, there's no way. I don't know why
2: it is so frustrating to think this way because, you know, we're throwing in the towel before the game even happens, but... The Bucs this season have done nothing to prove otherwise that the Saints will kick our ass the next time they play. So the team that I want nothing to do with in the postseason is New Orleans. And with their troubled history in the postseason, hopefully if the Buccaneers win their first round game, the Saints won't be there in the second round to greet us. But yeah, Evan, who do you think is a favorable matchup for Tampa Bay? And then who is also your team to stay away from if it wasn't New Orleans?
1: Well, it's it, well, it is New Orleans. So I'll give you my <laughs> second place one, dude. I'm not gonna think they can beat New Orleans until they actually do. Like exactly. even next, they
2: they haven't like, they haven't shown us anything that leads me to believe that they would win in the rematch. Well, the re rematch yeah, exactly. in the playoffs, whether
1: it's like even if it's a preseason game, like oh this is a loss. Like they're not beating them. <laughs> um, so my most favorable matchup, just based on like scheme and stuff, might be Green Bay. Honestly, because wow. I feel like. You can run you can still run on them effectively. And I know Rodgers is hot, but like the Packers still they didn't get a number two wide receiver. So it's like Devonte Adams. I know a lot of their other guys have stepped up. But
2: Lazard has really been uh, really hot on fantasy boards these past few yeah, weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lazard and Valdez Scantling have been good, but I just I feel like just scheme wise of the teams that are currently leading their divisions, that that's what I'm looking at. Other teams that are currently leading their divisions. Um, the most favorable, and I didn't want to say the Giants because I felt like it was a cop-out. I so think any I, NFC
2: East team feels like a yeah, cop-out.
1: I, I mean, yeah, so if you had to say like, literally most favorable, it's probably the NFC East team. But I wanted to choose one of the the bigger boys uh, in the in the you know playoff race. So I'll say Green Bay for the least one. If I had to choose a second one, probably the Rams. Yeah. Because McVeigh just gave them fits all night, and the Rams defense is playing like one of the best in the NFL. So uh, I think that would probably be number one's the Saints. Number two is the Rams. If the Bucks can avoid those guys, you know, and then get an NFC East opponent around one, uh, it would be. Um, very good. So, and they got to get the fifth seed to do it. So, you're gonna have to win out um, in in order to get the fifth fifth seed, which um, could happen. Uh, I I think, um, you know, there was there there was a a question. I think that was you know what games do they need to win? Yeah. Well, if you want the fifth seed, you gotta win out. Uh, that that's pretty clear. Uh, but this game coming up is a is an important one. And if if Minnesota if the bugs beat Minnesota this week and the Cardinals lose this week to the Giants, who have been playing well, I'll, I'll give them credit, um, the Bucs would basically clinch a spot in the playoffs. Not officially, but basically would. Uh, James, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You're good. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah.
0: It, it's, it's that's a tough question to answer. I, I guess I would say, because I don't want to say an NFC East team, but I guess I would have to say the Green Bay Packers, by default, is a team that we would want to play because we – we saw after the first quarter yeah. in the game we played them in the regular Seahawks, season. Seahawks, just... I
1: think they match up well, well with, too. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, in terms of teams, it, yeah, I would say either Green Bay or Seattle, depending on what happens over there in the NFC West, you know, we have to play one of these division leaders um i would say one of those guys and and then in terms of a team you wouldn't want to face i mean the saints is the easy answer because good lord it, right you put it you right you put it perfectly i mean this team i'm going to assume that they have no chance of beating the saints if we play them in the playoffs because they have fallen so the flat saints are both in both their, they're in their heads they are completely yeah. in their heads yeah and it's 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 absolute insanity so hey if the vikings make the playoffs and then they win in round 1 and then go to play the saints Oh, let's go! Let's see <laughs> round number four, whatever round it is, you know. But you know, again, if I had to pick a second team, the Rams would probably be up there because, I mean, yeah, Cooper Cup murdered us. Uh that was absolutely terrible. Um, I, I guess I'm gonna take it. Does it have to be an NFC team? I mean, because playoffs. I mean, you could go all the way to the
1: Super Bowl, right? I mean, you I, could I, say Super Bowl if you wanted to. I, I guess, think they like, match. Like, what is they match, you, you. I just never wanted with. Pittsburgh I and did, Kansas City, though. I just never want to see Tyreek Hill ever again in my yeah. entire life. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if, if the, if the Bucs want to win a Super Bowl, they're going to have to play Pittsburgh and not Kansas City. Yeah, because... good. So? Or yes. I, yes. Yes. Oh, well, yeah,
2: definitely. Well, no, 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 definitely. I just... The way that I took that is that you would say Pittsburgh is oh, more no. of a shoe in for the Super Bowl. I think Pittsburgh is the most suspect undefeated team I have seen in quite some time.
1: Yeah, they're good, but they're not... Like a true undefeated they're team, good. the Steelers are, are a good team. Good. Yeah, the the Steelers are a good team, but I mean they're they're playing the Washington football team as we speak. Like, come on. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think no, I think Kansas City's a lock to make the Super Bowl. I'm just saying for Buck's purposes, they have a better shot at beating the Steelers than they do the Chiefs. If it's the Chiefs, you might as well already hand them the Lombardi Trophy because Mahomes is going to show up for that game and it's going to be brutal. Yeah, yeah. I I I would say though too. I mean. <laughs> I know,
0: Evan. You said the Bucs do match up well against the Seattle Seahawks, but man, I would not put it past Russell Wilson and oh, I know Carroll to just work something to just ruin our lives. Oh yeah, I,
1: I know. I'm just saying that the Seahawks just don't have enough talent on defense. So right, right. You know, and yeah, they, that, they, that they've, could been, be- they've been improving, but like they're still against the Bucks' offense. The Seahawks, I think, would have a lot of trouble.
2: Yeah,
1: right. So especially the other- since they don't have a single pass rush, and when you can't hit Brady, it's bad. Right. So I
0: would say, like, yeah, I I would definitely say Saints are number one. Number two, it's kind of a mix of a couple of teams. But Packers would probably be a favorable matchup, given our our most recent history with them. And then maybe the Seahawks, too.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, as we kind of wrap things up here, I just want to remind you, because I forgot to do so earlier. But this podcast is brought to you by your friends over at BetOnline.ag. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And of course, they've always got the online casino. If you want to go spend your money over there, it never, ever closes. So make sure you head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. There, now they can't tell me I didn't read it this week because I did. I just waited all the way till the end. Not on purpose. Normally, we're supposed to read that in the first five minutes, but you know stuff happens it's the bye week we're we're all kind of rebounding here but ladies and gentlemen with all of that being said that's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon fire podcast first off thank you so much for submitting your questions we really do appreciate you would have been cool to get some voicemails i don't know buck up 813-433-0323 is always open if you want to leave us a voicemail any questions comments or concerns we will be here to address them 813 813- is the hotline number if you're feeling brave enough to do so. But thank you to everybody on Instagram who follows us over there who submitted questions. Everybody over on Bucks underscore Daily as well who put those questions in. Pretty sure that's where 100% of those questions came from, (laughs) but that's all we'll mention. Speaking of social media, make sure you get at the show over there, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Fire Podcast. Thank you to our guest, James, Mr. Bucks Nation. You guys know him. you love him. But just in case you hadn't heard, James, where can people find your content?
0: Uh, YouTube here at Mr. Bucks. Well, yes, on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. Uh, exciting times, man. Uh, just finished up the the week on the TV 12 method. I have a Tristan Wirfs video coming out tonight as well. Talking about if he could be a future left tackle for this team. And uh, yeah, some exciting stuff coming up. And uh, we've got our next game against the Vikings. So we'll have content coming out all week.
2: Hell yeah. Make sure you guys go check it out. Make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Like, comment, and subscribe if you haven't already. And click that little bell icon so you get notified anytime we upload a show. Or we go live with a hotline show. Whatever the case may be. Lots of great content on our YouTube channel. You can get notified By clicking the little bell. It's so easy and it doesn't cost you a dime. Follow myself on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Both of those are Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. And then you can find my co-host Evan on social media, Instagram and Twitter. Instagram is Bucks underscore Daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. And you can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Before we sign off, guys, I you know just the, the common understanding that we need to come to is that the bucks need to uh, keep the pedal down all fourth quarter or all four quarters, right? Not just the fourth quarter.
1: <laughs> keep, this, is a, this is a kind of an inside joke here. Yeah, not many will get, but yeah, just, just keep your phone to gas. you know we don't even need to explain it. Just keep <laughs> your phone the gas, four quarters. You know, that's all you got to do.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, dude. I, I disagree. Yeah, with if they you don't
1: do it, they may lose.
2: Yeah. Well, bro. I disagree with you. I, I think the Bucks need to keep the foot on the gas all four quarters, and uh, they they should win this one.
1: Well, I disagree with them, Is if they keep it all four quarters, they'll win.
2: Yeah. Twitter in a nutshell, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Thank you to our guest, James, for jumping on here with us. Make sure you go check out his content on YouTube at Mr. Bucks Nation. I am Rhett Matthew. Signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday for the preview show. Until then, go Bucks! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your
1: host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.